Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the week one recap. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I just got done. Uh, it's fall. I just tweeted. It's sweater weather. Just got done sweating a Louisville cover. How's it going? How was your weekend? Long weekend. Five days of football just completed. We got done watching a very uh, spirited and effort uh, Louisville. I've got to adjust these power ratings on these guys. This is not the effortless team we saw last year. They get the cover. Uh, total goes under. Uh, we have a very fired up Cardinal team and maybe a player to win some ball games in the ACC. Yeah, not to pat myself on the back. And like I said before, anytime anyone says that, that means they're about to pat themselves on the back. But in my write-up for that game, I said that, look, this isn't as much about X's and O's. It's just about Coaching upgrades, number one, Satterfield, Van Gorder gone, Brown in as the coordinator, but just effort. And that's it. And I said Louisville is going to be a riser in power ratings because their effort level, it's it was a hard thing to measure coming into the season, but them caring is going to make them so much more competitive. And you saw that on both sides of the ball. And the defense, it has problems. It's not perfect, but it cared. They got down 14, it cared. The third and ones, it cared. You know, so... That's that's the biggest thing I, I could take. And I think Satterfield's going to have that program turned around. I think the biggest takeaway for me for this game is that Notre Dame allowed 249 rushing yards on 47 carries. Like, there wasn't that much pressure. Louisville was able to, to do what they want on the ground. We got Georgia coming up soon. All that NFL to, town and Notre Dame lost up the middle on defense. Georgia is going to run them out of the building. Notre Dame's offense should be rock solid as soon as Book gets his timing down with his receivers. So, you know, obviously they're going to have a pretty good running game. Their offensive line is solid. Book can move. So I think Notre Dame's offense will be okay. There are There is questions about their special teams. Also, their defense with all that talent they lost. They have some good pass rushers, uh, you know, but losing love at corner and then everything up the middle, all that NFL talent, you could see they were definitely missing that today. Just to set the stage, first of all, you're listening to this on a Tuesday. This, this episode usually comes out on a Monday, but because of the holiday – because of college football on a Monday, we decided to release this on Tuesday. Uh, but going forward, it'll be on Mondays. We'll recap the weekend, which we will do today. You know, we'll talk about our best call, worst call, bet regret. Don't worry. We'll get to the voicemails, which are electric for this weekend, about seven minutes of them. We'll also talk some quick week two early lines that we like, uh, and then we'll get out of here. But normally, we'll also talk about, we'll preview the Monday night football game, and then we'll talk about the college football weekday games. But there are none until Friday, and we'll cover them on Thursdays podcast. So that's kind of how we'll roll with it today. We'll start with, you know, kind of our personal recap. We'll also go into a couple of things that we've learned. Let's do best call, worst call, bet regret. You know, best call, I'm going to have to say Laffy. I wrote up Louisiana. I love them. I had the over, you know, they were competitive that entire game. The game went over. They were sweaty for a little bit. But it, towards the end of the game, that cover was 
locked up. And then I would also say, just because it was so unorthodox and it was so easy, the Memphis Ole Miss under, you know, I said that, you know, the, both these defenses should be improved. You're going to have Ole Miss trying to run the ball more. And, you know, both those defenses looked a lot better in a game that was 13-10. Uh, so those are my two best calls. Worst call, we'll, we'll hear this in the voicemail, but I got to say La Tech. Texas is a simple team. People, yes, they cover it as a favor. But look, I had La Tech in the second half, which was logged on the app for those that got in there with me. And then bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. And by the way, I didn't have a lot of bad calls this weekend. I had a winning weekend, week one. I had some terrible fumble luck. And I'll get to that in my rant of the week. I don't know if you have a rant, but uh, and my bet regret is wake second half over. So I'm sitting there. I had wake money line which somehow miraculously hit. But and they, this team couldn't get a third and one, fourth and one all game, by the way. And a thrilling finish. First and goal at the one. After being stuffed inside the three two other times early in the game on downs, they get to fourth and one after being stuffed three more times in the final seconds and then complete a pass. Jamie Newman, the comeback king. But I'm watching this game in the first half. You want to talk about two speed racers, Utah State and Wake Forest. I think they had 55 plays in the first quarter combined. So, I mean, these are two no huddle, go. Tempo, go, go, go. Utah State will either score in, in on three plays or they'll go three and out in three seconds. So I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, this is, I don't, I'm, first of all, I was mad that I didn't bet the over in the game. And then the second half total comes out of 31. And I'm like, this is probably going to go over again. And I'm like, I'm taking a bad number. So I didn't, but I should have. I should have just trusted my eyes. And those those two teams are speed racers. Uh, so that was probably my my biggest regret. And then I guess I'll throw, and this will be in my rant of the week. I guess I'll throw, I mean, Auburn's second half. We talked about the adjustments. Uh, I still can't believe I lost that Oregon game. Moneyline, Oregon. The only lead Auburn had was in the final nine seconds. Bo Picks was awful. More fumble luck. I knew it was going to be like that too. All, Oregon fumbling at the goal line, and then it turns into a big return and then points for Auburn, who fumbles it and recovers it. And then Bo Picks tries to throw another pick and it, it gets dropped and, ugh. That was just infuriating. And then you don't even have Herbert out there on the fourth and one. Can't even cover my plus four. That was awful. Terrible coaching again from Oregon. So I'll stop there and I won't get into my rant of the week too early. How about you? Best call, worst call, bet regret? So best call for me, I, you know, anytime you fade Colgate this year, it looks like you're going to make some money. Uh, so that Air Force was probably the easiest one. I never had to pay attention to it on the app. Uh, but I'm going to go with Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State was uh, something, you know, law. I, I was waiting on that all week. I, we mentioned it on the pod. I mentioned it in our write-up that I'd like to see that number rise a little bit. Just some maybe Homer, Tennessee steam coming in. Some people adding Tennessee parlays to their, uh, you know, to their cards. And then maybe the number would tick up. It never did. Uh, so once it started to fall off of 26, it was time to buy. I actually had them in a in a in a very uh, a cheap round robin parlay. They were about uh, plus twelve hundred, I think. So that was really nice to go along with BC and some other things that we talked about on the podcast. Tennessee has got to figure it out. I, I, the, I the offensive line got pieces there that are hurting. Uh, the defense is getting torn up by a Sun Belt team. You're a numbers person. I'm a numbers person. What right? what what was Georgia State ranked in stuff rate on the defensive end last year? Uh, they were ranked 130th. All right. Georgia State, 130th in stuff rate. An atrocious run defense. Tennessee at home with an SEC offensive line. Handed it to their running backs 13 times. 13 to Are you kidding me with that? By the way, Georgia State is an atrocious run defense. They have this huge letdown after winning at Tennessee somehow. And next week, they welcome in Furman, who's going to beat them outright with their option. We'll get to that later in the week. Uh, uh, Their their new offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney, comes in with all this uh, clout around him, uh, getting out of Georgia. He can't call a play in the red zone. 
Uh, that's why Kirby, you know, and him had a parting of ways. He ends up at Tennessee and Georgia State last year was also 130th on defense and, and third down success rate. So this Tennessee offense that was supposed to be getting things done in, in big play situations, uh, it, it was it, I mean, it was pretty bad. So, I mean, a good call on taking Georgia State and the points, but I didn't expect it to turn out that well. I mean, the Sun Belt was just cruising for a while until we got to my worst call, which was probably Georgia Southern. Uh, There were two things I said about that LSU-Georgia Southern game. I said LSU is not going to expose the playbook. Joe Burrow's out here hitting um, 10 different targets for at least 10-yard passes. Georgia Southern, I said, would be be prepared for the RPO downfield attack that LSU might show since they play Appalachian State and Troy Yearly, kind of the same thing. Wrong. I was wrong on LSU protecting anything they had in the playbook. I was wrong on Georgia Southern being prepared and and, and would be able to defend it. Uh, That score was nowhere near the spread. Uh, LSU, I'm not sure if they were trying to have a statement game. I'm not sure if they just don't care if Texas has tape on them. This game this week with LSU and Texas, one of the most fascinating things because both of them did not mind throwing the ball around. Uh, even even when the game was out of hand and untouchable, still throwing the ball around. Ellinger is still hitting multiple targets. So Yeah, and Texas is unveiling their eight defensive back. I forget mm-hmm. what they're calling it. Defense, LSU is just – showing off their spread against Georgia Southern, who has a hurt quarterback and uh, Wirtz got hurt. I'm still mad. I lost it under, I mean, it was, but Georgia Southern had uh, 90 yards. LSU is out here. I mean, Edo is not known for his huge brain, but I mean, what are you doing? Showing everything off and and just attacking Georgia Southern. I mean, that, that was shocking to me. And I thought Texas was doing a lot more and showing a lot more Then they had injuries Mm -hmm. at the end when their starters are in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think Caden Stern's going to be okay. And Colin Johnson, but they're up like 42, nothing with their their starters still in or something, 42, seven or something. And now it turns out that Texas's third string quarterback is going to be their second string running back in this game, or maybe that's mixed up. That could be the second string quarterback is a third string running back, but it's getting thin. It's getting thin on the Texas side. They need to be fully healthy for this game against LSU. Bet regret for me. You know, Maryland always looks like a national champion uh, after week one the past couple of years. Uh, this was no different. Uh, they were able to blank Howard 79 to zero. So Mike Loxley's coming out here and uh, he just wants to prove that his previous stint as a head coach was a fluke and, and, and 79 to zero, even on a Howard team. That's, that's a lot of points. But bet regret really goes to Wisconsin and something that we didn't get posted in our preseason material with the Big Ten. You know, we didn't get posted anywhere is I went out to Vegas in week zero and Wisconsin was eight to one to win the Big Ten everywhere except for the Westgate. Shout out to John Murray. Uh, showed up and saw that Wisconsin was 18 to one and decided to part with a nickel for that because I thought Wisconsin they're just not being mentioned enough. And if Jack Cohn turns out to be a decent quarterback, the running game is going to be there. I don't know why we've all, we sl- we're sleeping on this Wisconsin team just because they had a bad season with some defensive injuries last year. I mean, if they could return to any kind of defense, they could win that division in the West. Uh, so 18 to one was, was bought and then, you know, sat back and watched this game. And I knew that South Florida was one of the worst in the nation in returning production on defense. And Wisconsin was one of the best in the nation in turning production on offense and that they would be able to do whatever they wanted. The number got up to 13. I saw it all summer. I saw it at 10, got up to 13. There was some buyback to 12 and a half. And that's when I said to myself, you know, people started floating around the humidity factor. People started to float around. Maybe there's an injury we don't know about. All these head coaches are uh, waiting to do suspensions, you know, multiple suspensions, 30 minutes before kickoff. So maybe there's something going on with this number that I don't know about because I could never find out. Ended up not playing it. Wisconsin blanks South Florida. South Florida is just downward spiraling. Uh, Wisconsin's in great shape. They do look good. We will have more on them later in the weekend. Ooh, USF Georgia Tech. 
what a game. We'll, we'll be talking about that later <laughs> in the week. All right. Well, before we get to the rant of the week and things we've learned, my rant is going to come from someone in the voicemail. So without further ado, let's get to we, we played a, a, a small voicemail after week zero, but you know, there's only a couple games. This is a real week of electric voicemails. So let's get to it. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. How the fuck does Oregon reinvent ways to lose? This was worse than Stanford last year. Herbert, especially for throwing at the end zone at the end. Colin, you absolutely me, dude. Auburn minus two and a half. Loser. Louisiana Tech didn't even show up. Florida State sucks. Eastern Washington sucks ass. Liberty didn't show up. Arkansas State is ass. Pitt sucks. LSU game. Horrible, dude. Oh, my God. It's going to be a long season, and it's holding a fucking over Missouri ticket. They just lost to Wyoming. Jesus Christ, it's going to be a long season. Wake the f*** up, Colin. What the hell am I doing betting Texas f***ing state? God, oh my God, I got it at 33 and a half. Colin, I don't blame you, but I'm pissed. Colin, you have to get a shout out to your boy Gresh. Look, I had 33 and a half too. It was heartbreaking. So I knew that you were going to cover because I had 33 and a half. And it just, I'm kind of happy that it happened because you covered or some other people covered. And it just goes to show you the lesson of getting the best number possible. I was afraid uh, that when I saw the 30 and a half, it was going to go down. And I did have some at 34, but most, most of my money was at 33 and a half. So I lost. Yeah, I mean, I still liked it at 33 and a half. My number was closer to 28, but that was damn lucky because Texas... A&M dominated that game. Kelman looked awesome. They had all these turnovers in the, inside the red zone, and they should have probably won by 50, but they needed to get mm-hmm. Gresh. They probably should have started with Gresh. You needed everything possible. You needed turnovers in the end zone, including, what is it, a sitting-on-your-ass touchdown catch at the end there with, with, with not that much time left? I mean, that, that touchdown pass was amazing. Uh, Tyler Vitt looked horrible. Uh, Gresh Jensen looks capable. Yeah, I mean, let's give some credit to Texas A&M. You know, they, they limited Texas State. They only had eight rushing yards on 15 total attempts, doubled their yardage. What I feel bad about is that, you know, I went to the Westgate earlier this summer and they were offering up 35 and a half. And like I told everybody, I had the game around 28 and a half and didn't have a put. And I put it into the action app. So, I mean, it was well known that it was out there. It was 35 for a while. And once it got to 34 and 34 and a half, you know, Suck and I had a really long text conversation about, is this ever going to get to 35? I was like, I, I, if you, you know, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get it. And I, I, feel, I, I feel for the people out there that got 33 and a half, but this is the kind of crazy shit that happens when you take these huge dogs, like the Georgia Southerns of the world, shit can break down really fast. And, and that was just a gift from God. That touchdown at the end was a gift from God. And we're going to hear more foreshadowing teaser uh, about that game. So let's get back to the voicemails. I can't believe that I waited all summer to play Texas State plus 34 and a half, and I was hyped up for this fucking team to lay an egg. It's 11.48 on a Thursday night, and I'm hoping for a garbage time touchdown to play 34 and a half. That is, by the way, the joy of betting. And by the way, when that happens for you, you're down 41 and you need a touchdown. 
in the last seconds and you score. That's the joy that happens on, on a crazy pass. And then you immediately say, shit, fuck, we need to make the extra point. Oh, my God, he's going to miss the extra point. That is exactly what happened when Bo Nix threw the touchdown. I jumped out of my skin yelling, every number covers. Every number covers. I mean, it's just that that react. You can't capture that. You can't ball. That might be call of the year. First night of the year, Thursday of week one, call yeah. of the year. Potential. And I had 33 and a half and I had Oregon big. All right. So <laughs> back to the voicemails. This is Travis from Indianapolis. And oh, BYU this, BYU that, BYU this, BYU that. If they win out, they can win the Pac-12. So much value on the money line. So much value on the plus three first half. Wrong. That play, that call is as bad as you guys saying they can make it to the freaking Pac-12 championship. Wrong. What the hell is this guy talking about? All right, first off, you start off with BYU Moneyline doesn't have any value. Okay, so if you listen to the pod correctly, don't have selective hearing. I said BYU first half Moneyline has value. The score at the end of the first half was nine to six. I had plus three and a half first half, which covered. Yeah, it covered and it was money. Okay. So we weren't wrong about that. All right. And then the three turnovers came and, you know, we had a weather delay. We had all kinds of, and, and BYU just broke down similar to the 20 point lead that they had last year. BYU was cursed in this series. The statement that was made on the podcast was BYU first half money line is worth a look. It has value. I mean, first half line spread cash. And then this call gets into it doesn't even start talking about Utah says you are wrong about Utah having Pac-12 value wrong about you know all the, listen Utah has a ton of Pac-12 value JT Daniels is out he's gone Arizona lost to Hawaii yeah someone tell this guy that BYU is not in the Pac-12 we said Utah could win out if they win this game and they won it and they were fortunate though they still deserve to win but they got every break man I mean BYU through two pick sixes, ran mm-hmm. Utah ran all over them, but BYU's defense was just tired at the end. They had that stupid penalty uh, on the out of bounds, kickoff, bad luck. I mean, just everything that could have went wrong went wrong. So the score is so lopsided. Utah's obviously overvalued this week against NIU as a result. You're going to call into the voicemails, know who's an independent, know who's in the Pac 12. All right. At least know the team's names and know what conference they play in and, yes. and, and listen to the podcast completely. Yes, and all so all of our Pac-12 and Utah features are, are fine. Uh, that is, <laughs> all right, so moving on. I don't want to say my first name or where I'm calling from because I'm a f***ing idiot. It's 545. Oh, Army's kicking off. Army, my favorite team to bet last year. Trying to do some research in 15 minutes. I knew this game would stay away all week. I saw Stucky put it in. Rice plus 23 and a half. But I had to go against Stucky. Never again. I'm getting a bumper sticker made that says, never forget, Rice 7, Army 14. Jesus Christ. Uh, Rice Army, by the way, I bet regret not betting that under. Army versus Rice, which is, Rice is the the snailest of snails. The snailiest snail I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. They go so slow. I think they're they're the second slowest team in the country last year. But all they do this year, I think their quarterback was 7 to 14 for like 40 yards. All they do is line up with two tight ends, Wait till the clock is at one, the game costs one, and then run a dive. Uh, and actually had success running on Army. And I want to say this about Army. Army is way down. And the main reason is they don't have a fullback. They lost Daniel Wolfolk and they lost Davidson. And they're two, you know, run, they're staple fullbacks in that program. Slomka, Slomko, I think, or whatever his name is, who's hurt, was supposed to be their feature fullback this year. 
He's hurt right now. Keep an eye on his status because McCoy is in there. He was terrible. Uh, they they handed him twenty times for seventy or twenty times or seventy yards, I believe. And the reason is is because the Rice linebackers were just cheating on the outside because they couldn't establish the run. The fullback dive is the entire crux of any option offense. If you cannot establish that, then the mm-hmm. fake does nothing. It all falls apart. The Army offense looked awful. I mean. Yeah. Awful against Rice. So I don't think they score against Michigan. I, I mean, I can't see them scoring. I, I'm thinking about laying it with Michigan. It's mm-hmm. so hard to take a favorite. I think the under is worth a look, too, because this offense is going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. And we're going to look back in a couple weeks and say, you know, three touchdown favorite versus Rice is a joke. Listen, I got a piece out on Action Network. It was published this morning about the bets that I jumped on right away and how there's one bet that I'm really got my eye on. I'm waiting for some traction, some movement on a dead number. And I'm telling, I'll, I'll take the other side of the ball. Army's defense allowed 181 rushing yards to Rice. They allowed it's the most basic play. offense, too. They weren't they were just handing off offense. guys. They allowed explosive plays on the ground and in the air. There was, uh, I think, a 38 yard pass that Rice had at one point. So DC John Lewis is the guy that took over for Jay Bateman. Jay Bateman went down to UNC. So they're going through a transition on the defensive side of the ball. Both sides of the ball for Army looked really bad this weekend. And I think Michigan should be upset about the way the the game, you know, first started off against Middle Tennessee State. They didn't establish themselves. Uh, Everything that I saw from Josh Gaddis in this new offense was passing out to the flats, letting receivers in space try to do something. Never saw it go downfield. I think Michigan's going to come out pissed, and I don't think Army can do anything about it this weekend. Yeah, and the reason that you're afraid of fading Army as a you know as a big dog is because generally they could have an eight minute drive, right? And they'll eat up three yards, three yards, three yards. But without a fullback and the way their offense looked, look at how many plays that were negative. I don't think they can sustain drives against Michigan. So I, I'm willing to lay it here and probably bet the under. I mean, I don't think Michigan's Michigan has Wisconsin on deck, I believe. So more on that game later in the week. Um, let's get back to voice bills. Stucky, you Kentucky inbred. Did you see how we just lost that total fumble? Dropped interception. Bullshit. Personal foul call. Another drop pick in the end zone. What a shitty way to lose from a shitty state. All right, this is going to lead into my uh, rant of the week. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. For number one, look, I'm not from Kentucky, and I live there. My girl lives there with me and her family who aren't inbreds. And uh, then he was on my side. I thought he was going to go on a rant. This is my rant of the week. Purdue, what a melt, by the way. I didn't have Mm -hmm. Purdue. But one of my awful beats, I'm going to have lucky weeks and unlucky weekend. This was an horribly unlucky weekend for me. A lot of fumble, bad fumble luck. I mean, Purdue should have been up 40 nothing in this game in the fourth quarter. Nevada scored on two muffed punts. uh, And then they they had a fourth and seven they scored on in the first half. At the end of the game, they need a touchdown. So those were the three scores. A fourth and seven bomb and then two muffed punts by our, our boy. And... At the end of the game, they need a touchdown. It's a fourth and seven again. They convert it when all if they didn't, the game's over. I hit my under and then they throw a bomb into the end zone. It gets picked. It was picked. The game is over. He caught it and his knee was on the ground. The game is over. Purdue won. If you had Purdue win total over, you should be salty, although you shouldn't because they should not have melted away playing that prevent zone and not coming after the quarterback. Sad. Nevada looked awful, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. And Purdue, I think at one point I tweeted out the box score. I'm like, somehow Nevada could cover this game. I was just saying they might cover, not win. 
And credit to the kid for hitting that bomb field goal. But the game is over, and the refs didn't have the nuts to come out and say he picked it off, even though he did. I, I Everyone said it. Non-bi- I was just looking, looking on Twitter to see what people say. And there was Nevada fans, Purdue fans. They were all saying it was a pick. He had it, and his knee was on the ground. Purdue won. My under won, but it didn't. That's my rant of the week. Do you have anything to add there? Uh, I think we're going to turn around and hit Purdue this week. <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm Stucky. I love great guy award-winning punters. Specialties matter so much. Oh, my God. Well, the Mississippi State punter just knocked it to the one, and it didn't work. Raging Cajuns. Adam in Los Angeles. Fucking David Shaw. David dumb Shaw decides to, I know, let me get this backup quarterback who already fumbled once on a botched handoff, fuck up on a read, and drop the ball again. I thought Stanford was a school of smart people. Boy, was I wrong. Out of Los Angeles, watching the Stanford cover. <laughs> oh, my God. I love college football. Pats, cats, pats, fucking cats. I won on Ohio State when they pulled this bullshit like six years ago, and I just the fucking universe. Pats, cats. I'm I'm done. Hey, this is Max from New York. Uh, I bet Northwestern. I wanted to admit that, put that out there, and hope that there's someone out there who can understand my disappointment and sadness and feel what I'm feeling right now, which is embarrassment and self-pity and plain old sadness. I'm also a South Carolina fan, if you're going to pile it on. Uh, all right, Colin, I'm going to let you take this one because it looked like the Northwestern voodoo was Northwestern was voodooing again, their black magic fuckery, and then mm-hmm. it all turned. Is the voodoo over? And talk about yeah. that game. Yeah, I bet the game had no shot to cover. The handicappers would be able to take you know advantage of Northwestern's secondary it looked like it looked like Northwestern was going to have this in hand, and then shades of what happened a few years ago. I mean, last year was just the, the whole season was fuckery with Northwestern, uh, and some of that finally comes back. That second order win total number, where one team is just outperforming where they actually should be in the wins uh, with a dramatic amount of luck, uh, that came back to bite Northwestern. But more importantly, Colin took his two kids down to Arlington to watch Texas A&M and Arkansas a few years ago. And had a lot of money on Josh Rosen against Stanford. A lot of money in the points on Josh Rosen. And my sons were like, why are you watching your phone when we're on the third row in Cowboy Stadium watching Texas A&M Arkansas? I said, boys, just chill. I got to watch the end of this game. That's when the strip six happened. Possibly the worst bad beat in the history of college football when Josh Rosen was stripped. The ball was picked up. was ran in for a touchdown. And that was probably the worst beat I've ever had in my life. Something happened yesterday. I just... I felt like the circle of life was complete. Like I felt like that this luck that I had just ran into with that yesterday, I felt as if my Rosen money, like, you know, took three, a few years uh, off of my account. And now all of a sudden it's right back. The money's right back in my pocket. And it's like somebody took it out as a loan uh, with no interest. And then they just put it back in my pocket yesterday because that was one of the sickest covers uh, I've ever seen. And I, I couldn't be happier that it happened against Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern, by the way, looked horrendous in fairness. They had 200 total yards, three and a half yards per play. They missed a field goal. Their two quarterbacks, I mean, they had Johnson and Green were in there. They combined they were terrible. 12 of 27 for 117 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. Uh, it was just an embarrassing offensive display by Northwestern. I just want to throw it out in the universe. 
I was on that UCLA one. I was in the Northwest one against Ohio State. I have never had a strip late strip six. I think I had six <laughs> against me, six horrible ones against me at the end of the game. So I would love if the uh, gambling gods would love. I had Stanford money lines. So I was still happy and you had Stanford. Might have said, uh, yeah. But like I, then I was pissed. I was like, I wish I should have just bet Stanford. I could have been even more happy. It's, but I, I could have been I have even no complaints. I have decided something's going to happen like Stanford and Oregon last year. And it's going to cost me a lot of money. And I have no reason to complain after what happened this weekend. Yep. All right. Getting back. This is minor mother effing nation. And guess what? I still listen to pod. You guys said, oh, we're scared to bet over three wins. But guess what? We're 1-0, guys. We won our first game. So guess what? You guys already missed out on an easy win. Anyway, I hope you guys had a lovely pizza party last year with our under. But we are going way over. We're 1-0. Possible national champions eat a bag of haters. Woo! Minor Nation. All right, our boy is back. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. UTEP squeezes by Houston Baptist (laughs) in their season opener 36 34. And El Paso, El Paso, El Paso. However you want to say it, we have El Paso calling in, calling for national titles. They trailed 28-20 UTEP midway through the third quarter uh, against Houston Baptist at home. Uh, I will give them credit. There were 35,000 fans there. The first win at the Sun Bowl since November 2016. Uh, What do you have to say about this? Uh, I'm glad our caller who, uh, if you're new to the podcast, would call in last year and tell us about taking UTEP covering, even when UTEP didn't score any points and they would still cover games, even though they got blanked, that he was able to afford another beach house in El Paso. So, I, and again, I just want to know where this beach is on, on the Rio Grande River. But, you know, this week they've got Texas Tech. You cover the 34 and a half against Texas Tech. Call back in and let us know. I don't know who we're taking in this game. I, I have yet to dissect Texas Tech a little bit more and how UTEP got past the powerhouse that is Houston Baptist. We'll see if we have a side on this because I would love to see what happens. If UTEP covers this game, even if they get blank 30 to 0, we're going to hear from them again. UTEP was a 17 and a half point favorite. They went by two at home <laughs> against Houston Baptist, who's terrible. They gave up 5.8 yards per play. They gave up 300 yards passing to Houston Baptist, over you know 413 yards, six yards per play. Uh, come on. Nonsense. But call back next weekend and uh, maybe you can have a pizza party with your. Would you bet money line on UTEP this week? Because if you bet them, they didn't cover. <laughs> Moving on. Fuck Auburn. Fuck Auburn. Gus Malzahn made it. He, the devil. he sucks the devil's Fuck Auburn. Goodbye. What the fuck are you idiots doing? Georgia Southern under game. Georgia Southern plus 28. All fucking smoked immediately. Morons. The only other thing I guess I can say is Texas is a simple team, people. Yep, that's a loser, too. Idiots. Hey, guys. Josh from Austin, Texas here. I'm seeing that Texas won by 31 points. Wow. First off, Colin, fuck you. For the past nine months, you've been saying hashtag fake Texas. Texas is a simple team, Stucky. What's up, huh? 
Hey, Colin, hope you lose on that LSU ticket next week, too. Boy, the dinner juice forever, guys. Love you. Bye. This is Dylan coming to you live from Austin, Texas. All year, all we've heard of Texas is a simple team. Y'all are right. Every time we take the field in 2019, we're kicking people's ass. Started in Georgia, moving to L.A. Tech, and LSU's coming next week. I can already hear Colin making excuses. Well, Louisiana Tech had all these yards, all these turnovers, blah, blah, blah. Next week we're coming out, and we're kicking their ass. Can't wait to hear what Colin has to say about the horns this week. Hook them. Hey, Ryan in Buffalo here. Liberty, zero points against Syracuse. Please let this be a lesson to us all. Let's not back them anymore this season. They suck. Buckshot sucks. And Jerry Falwell. Rocky Top, you'll always be one big fraud to me. Yo, Colin, just checking in on that Cubs regular season win total, pimping. Just checking in on it. That's all. All right, so we're we're ending with a uh, shout out of a Cubs win total. Do you, do you want to respond to that or let it go? Yeah, hey, now we got under ninety one and a half, and uh, we're just a couple games away from getting there. So I'm happy to cash. Sorry, Cub fans. Yeah, I mean the the Cubs unders loot. Uh, you, I don't know what the Cubs are doing right now. They're betting Robel Garcia mm-hmm. fifth in their lineup in a pennant race. It's an automatic strikeout. Um, anyway, just let's stay away from baseball until October. Uh, by the way, it's not LA Tech. I hope he doesn't think that's Los Angeles Tech. <laughs> it's La Tech or Louisiana Tech in uh, in Ruston, Louisiana, which is one of the hardest places to get to in D one. Anyway, Colin, thoughts on the horns? We'll get to. We'll get to. By the way, we're going to spend a lot of time on LSU Texas later in the week. I just want to say to all these Longhorn fans as nicely as I possibly can: your fan base is soft, and your home stadium is soft. In 2000 was my first trip down to LSU. I had batteries thrown at me. I had liquids poured on me. I had people challenging me to fight. And that's because I wore some Razorback clothing inside their stadium. That was a day game after Thanksgiving. A day game. I would never go there at night. And I would never wear Arkansas colors in that stadium. That's how frightening that fan base is in their home. And they're coming. They are coming to Austin. In 2003, I came down to Austin to see Arkansas and Texas play. You were ranked fourth in the nation. I sat in the stadium and the only tickets I could get was in the Texas student section. You hadn't lost at home in like 20 years. You were ranked fourth in the nation and Arkansas ran you up a flagpole. I think we were up 30 to three at the middle of the third quarter. Your fans were walking out of stadium down there in Memorial, shaking my hand. You were one of the nicest fan bases. We missed the rivalry from the Southwest Conference. Uh, You know, good luck this year. Who's this Matt Jones kid? Cedric Cobbs ran all over us, shaking my hand. Then I went down to 6th Street and somebody bought me a steak. You're soft. LSU is not. If you Texas fans don't know what's coming for you, get ready. Because this this fan base is going to make it hostile quick. All right. So if Texas Nation was not already fired up, uh, I think you now have a reason to be. Now, look, I still maintain just because one game doesn't happen of Texas is a simple team. And by the way, I did hit La Tech second half. I am still a potential believer. I'm going to leave it a little teaser in Herman as a dog this weekend. And I would also like to visit Texas in my lifetime. So I'm not going to attack Texas as vehemently <laughs> as Colin is right now. He's already got the Western, the Western tip in El Paso. Now he hit the central part of the state in Austin. Oh, and, and by the way, you hit, you've been hating on Houston too. You could take <laughs> what, uh, what is that? I 10 down there yeah, and I can. start at El Paso hit, 
Austin, you know, you, I think you got to go up a little north, but in the center, and then you can take it all the way out to Houston and you can just get eggs thrown at you the entire trip across Texas. Uh, and then you can end up in Galveston. Uh, you know, I don't know where else we're going to end up on this podcast or later in the week, but Liberty, I was livid watching that game. I am livid with Liberty. They couldn't even get a backdoor. Uh, Syracuse was awful. Uh, looked horrendous. They are so overvalued. They ended up winning 24 nothing. DeVito was awful. 17 of 35 for 176 yards, no touchdowns and two picks. Like this game was so disgusting. I mean, Syracuse only had 4.7 yards per play. Liberty at 3.1. Syracuse's defensive line dominated the game. That's bottom line. They're de- so, but they're not going to, they have a much better offensive off line they'll be facing in Maryland. Maryland is loot this weekend. Go ahead. I would like to say that the handicap was right. Now, we lost, right? But at the same time, I think the handicap was correct. Uh, I'd like my money back. But no, I mean, Hugh Freeze, from his hospital bed, sitting on his bedpan, decides to punt it with 90 seconds left in the game. Why are you punting? Why aren't you trying to put points up on the board? What are you doing? Calling a punt with 90 seconds left in the game and you haven't even scored. I, it, it's, it must be a sign from God. Jerry Falwell must have been in there saying... Let's just punt this out. We don't need to score any points. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. Early in the fourth, Buckshot fumbled at the 20. And there was a second time they fumbled inside the 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, more bad fumble luck. But that game should have been like 17 nothing, and we should have covered. But Liberty looked, their offense looked awful. Their offensive line got manhandled. Couldn't do anything. But Syracuse, their offense looked terrible. Um, and I think Maryland is loot. But that that those pictures of Dino <laughs> pointing up <laughs> into the coach's booth and then Freeze pointing down from his hospital bed, that was epic. NBA, Matt Moore, Wob, you guys can't top that. I haven't seen a coach in a hospital bed on the sideline yet. So no, good luck. Epic. So appreciate all the voicemails. Uh they were absolutely epic and they're only gonna get better. Call us out. Continue to call us out. Give us credit where credit's due. Yell at us for bad takes. We'll always own them. We'll always play them. The louder, the drunker, the funnier. Um, And I'm sure we're going to get lit up by LSU and or Texas fans, no matter what the result is this weekend. So that should be worth tuning into next Monday. Um, All right. So let's go into before we get into some of the week two early bets. Now, obviously, later in the week on the episode that comes out Friday, we'll go really in depth into the entire card. But let's just go through a couple things we each learned. Uh, I took really fast notes here. This is probably one of my lucky covers. One of my only ones of the weekend. And look, I'll have lucky weekends many times during during the year. But I had to pit under and it somehow hit under 46 and a half or something. I think it ended 30 to 14. UVA only scored seven points in the fourth. One of the storylines I talked about in the offseason was this Whipple. We both talked about this. Whipple coming in as the offensive coordinator, a passer, and Narduzzi, the head coach, a runner. And how are they going to clash? And are they going to butt heads? And I said, one of the reasons why I like the under is because Pitt, I don't think it's going to be able to throw it against Virginia as an excellent secondary, excellent linebackers. And they have these backs, Davis and Sibley. They only handed it off to him 15 times against Virginia and their weakness is the run. So mm-hmm. is there turmoil with Pitt and the play calling? I was shocked. They only ran it with their backs 15 times. If you look at the, the rushing stats, I mean, Pickett ran it 12 times. So you got to remove those, but they only ran it 15 times. I was shocked. Now Doozy's got to be fuming. So one of the things I'm thinking is that they're going to run it a lot against Ohio. Uh, that's the first thing I said. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that Virginia pick game? I completely agree. I'm still searching on post-game comments and things. Uh, I do like Pitt this week. Uh, I think the number is too short. But if the number is going the other way, I think people agree that Pitt is not a good buy at this time. But I think the number is too short. So 
Uh, we'll have more on this at the end of the week, but I'm still doing digging on this game. I just the numbers should be over seven and not below seven. So we'll see where it ends up. A couple teams I've written down here is a mess. West Virginia mess. They had <laughs> no business. And I jam you plus seven and push. They had no business winning that game. They were, look at the box score, completely dominated. I was surprised for your worst call. You didn't mention this team, your boys, UAB. I think you laid it with them. They almost lost to Alabama yeah. State. Mess. Uh, but yeah. then they're going to Akron. Mess. That was yes. one of my best calls with Illinois. That was never in doubt. I'd, I mean, I can't take Akron as a home dog, right, against UAB. But, Jesus, both of those teams looked absolutely horrendous. USF, obviously, and then UMass. I mean, to come out against Rutgers up 14 nothing, and then get your doors blown off like that. Whew. And then the last one I'll mention is San Diego State. Defense, again, looked excellent. They won six nothing. Maybe that spread, uh, like you said, has issues. They, you know, Weber only was over the fifty one time, but Weber should have won. By the way, Weber has one of the uh, best return men, FBS or FCS. Rashid Shahid might be returning kicks in NFL one day. He returned one ninety nine yards. They were kicking away from him all day, and Weber State's offense couldn't do shit. But he returned one ninety nine yards for a touchdown. And it got called back on a phantom hold. But San Diego State ended up with six points. So any comments on how bad USF, UMass, San Diego State's offense, West Virginia and or UAB? Well, I mean, we talked about San Diego State a lot. The the, the, the switch, the scheme change uh, really confused the hell out of me. So I'm not surprised there. They're going to be a stay away team. Actually, they're going to be an under team for a long time. Also an under team, UAB. And now they're playing Akron, who can't put points in there. I mean, they've got Cato Nelson under center. And Circus Sports, shout out to them. First ones to get point spreads up. First one to get totals up, which is amazing because totals never came out, never came out on Sundays during side openers ever. And now, you know, people would usually wait till Monday or Tuesday before they would show up. And now Circus putting them out right away along with the sides. They opened up UAB Akron at 55. We'll have an article I come out tomorrow, I think, on our total projections, even though most of the board is lit up with totals right now. I think during the season, it's going to be a little bit different. I think if Circus is going to put these up on Sundays, there's going to be a lot of copy around uh, with, with other books. But that 55 that went up on UAB and Akron, I, I, I texted the bookmakers of Circa and I said, I'm currently looking for runners that are – there's nobody in town. It's holiday weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. There's nobody in town. I need a runner down right away. That 55 is not going to last. Sure enough, here we are recording this. It's down. To 49 at circa so it took a six point Stop being last. friends with the odds makers it's not them it's not them somebody else had the same idea so oh. no uh, I, I think you may be an akron i mean you this is gonna be an under team an under for a while i think it's gonna take a couple weeks for, uh, to uh, adjust them properly for how slow the offense is gonna be another quick rant gus miles how do you not go for two by the way what are you too busy celebrating a lucky completion your quarterback <laughs> didn't throw another pick when he should have uh and then the, the dumbest coaching decision i've ever, i've seen i saw all weekend by the way, my Iowa State boys, I was like, oh, all they got to do is replace Montgomery and Butler on the outside. And they almost lost at home to start the year against Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, and what was it? Double overtime? Triple overtime? I think it was double overtime. They mm-hmm. score a touchdown to presumably tie it if they kick the extra point, which they do. But how do you not go for two <sighs> against Iowa State? Come on. And they lose in three I, overtimes, and uh, Iowa State escapes barely. I didn't actually downgrade Iowa State. This happened with Drake. Is that with Drake? Iowa State had issues with Drake last year. I mean, this this shit. Canadian Drake or FCS Drake? <laughs> the uh, the the basketball Drake. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember that game. It was at the end of the year. I had the under, and I think yeah. I had to get really lucky. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you could take from that game. I don't think. I mean, but I, but but you have to go for two. 
yeah. if you're Northern yeah. Iowa. That, that, that's it, it. It means nothing to your FCS chances or yeah. your division, and you're up. You're you're playing an in-state team that's like the big. Well, oh God, you have to go for two on the road. Even even if that, I think the FCS like they have they have variance like how they select their teams for the playoffs. Like it's it's like a committee that selects a team does not doesn't go by a ranking. So they would look at this. I mean, you would want to go for two and get the absolute win. That would that might seal a tiebreaker to get in the playoffs. Yeah. But just regardless, when you're the big underdog like that, you should mm-hmm. always do it on the road. Um, I mentioned the SEC struggles because that's a big storyline, right? So Florida didn't cover last week. A&M gets backdoored, but they they looked good. Ole Miss doesn't cover. Defense looked better. They don't they don't cover against the close. Um, that number got beat down. Kentucky covers. I had Toledo, but Toledo's quarterback got hurt. And once that happened, uh, there was nothing really. Toledo could do. I mean, once Guadani went down, he was their leading rusher. He was mm-hmm. their leading passer. And then Bradley came in was four of 13 for 40 yards and a pick. So yeah, Kentucky covered, but really shouldn't have. Miss State doesn't cover. Bama covers because they get a front door and Duke could only punt at 13 yards. Tennessee loses outright to Georgia State. Auburn wins, but on a fluke. LSU covers, looked good. South Carolina loses outright. Georgia covers, looks decent. Missouri loses outright to Wyoming. So these are, you know, multiple double-digit dogs that lost. And, you know, Auburn probably should have lost to Oregon. And, you know, that's Tennessee is the shocker, but also South Carolina and Missouri. So it was a bad week for the SEC. Now, it's just one week. And then the one I, I have to mention is Arkansas barely beat Portland State. That was the easiest money. I mean, 30 and a half was just too easy. I mean, it, it came down to the fact that Chad Morris was mentioned as saying that he's going to play every quarterback. And sure enough, I mean, I thought we were going to get down to Jerry Jones's grandson in there. Uh, but that was Chad Morris's plan. But sure enough, here we are. We're getting dominated on special teams. Uh, ben Hicks looks the part of quarterback because he's ran the system before. Nick Starkle's in there, and Starkle looks terrible. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. I'm talking San Jose, San Jose State, Western Kentucky. I mean, these are terrible teams. We had Portland State in no planet, in no galaxy, in no universe. Should Portland State be taking flights down to Arkansas? They probably had to at least take two segments, show up, and absolutely have a chance to win the ball game against Arkansas. How does that happen? Did you Everybody watch the whole game? Fired. I watched the whole game. Uh, it even oh. got the big TV treatment. And and then the thing, and I just could not believe like Ben Hicks. He looks the part, and he plays the position well, and he knows Chad Moore. It doesn't mean he's efficient. It doesn't mean he's effective. Starkle was a dumpster fire, absolute dumpster fire. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Get some of these quarterbacks to the baseball team because we need pitchers if we want to make another run to Omaha. This is a joke of a program. We should not be in the SEC. I, I, this it is, over, it's embarrassing. They turned it over three times to year one and almost won at Arkansas. Portland is bad, but yeah, we talked about Tennessee. A really interesting, weird game this week is is Tennessee BYU. That line's been mm-hmm. bouncing over. We'll talk about that later in the week. The game, team I want to know about is is UNC legit? Is South Carolina who now lost their quarterback? Worth noting, Bentley's done. Is South Carolina with that schedule starting off with a loss as an eleven point favorite against North Carolina? By the way, if you bet South Carolina over win, uh, kiss your just rip up your ticket, blow your nose with yeah. it, wipe your ass, uh, and then. The team I'm most worried about is Missouri. We talked about it. A loss like this, not bowl eligible, not postseason eligible. Does that team just pack it up and fold? And, I mean, good God, that run, their run defense was atrocious. They were a little unlucky. They outgained Wyoming by like 200. But what are your thoughts on South Carolina and Missouri going forward? Those are, that's ter- those are terrible week one losses. Throw Tennessee in there as well. Yeah, I, I had North Carolina, had them on the money line. Uh, it was 
you know, it, it, and most of it was because of the Phil Longo uh, hiring the offensive coordinator from Ole Miss. I knew that he would try to make this team the fastest team and the most explosive team in the nation. Uh, as far as explosive plays go, UNC had three rushers that had a rush greater than 20 yards. They had four receivers uh, that had at least a 20-yard reception. So UNC is offensively going to probably look a little bit like Ole Miss last year. Can they play defense? We don't know. What I do know is UNC's quarterback uh, was excellent in the fourth quarter, and Bentley had three interceptions in the fourth quarter. So And now he's uh, hurt. And now he's hurt, which is – and they already have the toughest schedule in the nation. It's not even close. It's not, and then, you know what? You know what has a tough schedule that just lost your quarterback? That's USC. So USC and USC East fade material for a while. It's really pretty shocking how we've talked about the caller who said you you said Utah's going to win the who's going to win the Pac-12. I think you meant Utah, but yeah, I mean, who in the Pac-12 is stopping Utah? I mean, USC was supposed to maybe be mm-hmm. the team that threatens them. Uh, so Colorado was is interesting, an interesting team, and maybe a live dog. We'll talk about them later in the week against Nebraska this weekend. In Nebraska, talk about sleeping. Uh, they were sleepy against <laughs> South Alabama. Of course, South Alabama gets a cover, but I don't bet them week one this week. But North Nebraska was sleepy. Any thoughts yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, I had a list of frauds. So I do I do kind of a thing, I guess we could call box score frauds. And uh, what I do is during the games on Saturday, I'll dig through the box scores right as the games are finishing. I'll adjust power ratings on the fly. Uh, so and And then I make a list of the teams that – didn't win the game, but they won the box score battle. And we've already mentioned Rice. We've already mentioned uh, South Alabama. I'll play Nebraska. Yeah, South Alabama, 314 yards, 276 on Nebraska. But they had five turnovers to Corns three. Adrian Martinez, six yards on 13 carries. What? What is that? How does that happen? Nebraska saved by two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. I don't. Yeah, I mean, we got- don't want to overreact to week one, but Nebraska looks fucking fraudulent. Well, I mean, and this plays into. I think Wisconsin's really going to make some noise this year. And Colorado is probably a live dog this weekend. Yeah, also in box score frauds. Colorado State out game Colorado, 505 to 475, but they had four turnovers. So, I mean, that that really kind of steps into the fact that Colorado shouldn't have won that game. You know, also in there, there was some, not us, but there's some chatter about Eastern Michigan being a big play this week. Um, you know, they Coastal outgained them by 100 yards, but their quarterback threw four INTs. So I'm not impressed by Eastern Michigan whatsoever. I mean, yeah, Cephas Johnson throwing for 231. I mean, th- this game was disgusting. What was the total on this game? Like, I mean, if this box score, Nebraska ran at 40. You got to remove some of these for, like, losses. But just on the surface, 44 carries for 98 yards against South Alabama. I mean, is that a joke? South Alabama <laughs> ran at 44 times for 83 yards, by the way. This was just a hard game and a hard showing from Nebraska. Now, again, you don't want to overreact to week two, and you kind of want to trust your preseason numbers. I was never buying this Nebraska love. It's as much love as they were getting. I thought they were going to be improved, but this is a, um, was an ominous sign, this game, because South Alabama, unless South Alabama is magically improved, and I said that's going to happen. They're going to make a bowl. What you said last year, now they're going to show up. In Nebraska, that was a, a bad showing. Um, all right, so anything that we didn't mention, anything that you learned that you want to say or anything that happened over the, over the weekend? Yeah, I covered, uh, you know, I got BC for our, for our Moneyline Parlay, which we'll, we'll bring to you guys. Uh, Should have been Oregon, too. And Yeah, and you had Oregon in there, and it was right there. But, I mean, if I look in the BC box score, uh, it was even in total yards. But Virginia Tech had five turnovers. This is a problem with these guys. The, the defensive explosiveness that they're allowing, you know, five turnovers. The, t- the team's just – it's not working under Fuentes. Now, that's true, but I might – 
with Virginia Tech and that defense. I might lay 28 with Virginia Tech this week. Uh, it's Revenge? Yeah, they lost to Old Dominion last year, I mean, and Old Dominion is bad. I remember during our previews, I just said, this this team sucks, and it lost everybody. <laughs> and they needed a late touchdown to win their home opener against Norfolk State. And Norfolk State, boys and girls, is not good. And, I mean, this is a, not a good FCS team. And Old Dominion needed a touchdown to win it at the end of that game. They couldn't do anything. They looked awful. Um and they're going to be awful. And if Virginia Tech has anything, any pride, they win this game 61 nothing. But uh, with that defense, it might be hard to lay. Uh, to, uh, I got to get 28. But, yeah, Old Dominion needed a late touchdown to beat Norfolk State. And in their stadium opener, they're opening a new stadium. It's a hell of a podcast when we spent so much time on Norfolk State, Portland State, and Houston Baptist. You won't find it anywhere else, baby. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on things learned that we didn't touch on? I'm good. I'm ready to go into two or three days of research and pound week two. Uh, before I let you go, though, one or two bets that you just want to mention. Yeah, I took I took Pitt. I uh, thought the number was off. It's gone the other way. Got it at six and a half. It's fallen down to five and a half. I think uh, I think there's a lot of love out there for Ohio. Uh, I, I would I would think that the under is going to take more money. Now we're we're recording this before some of the the big boy shapers of the world come out here and attack these totals. I would think that this total is going to go down a little bit. It should be a heavy run attack on uh, at least the Ohio side. I'm not, I'm not really sure uh, how fast uh, the play is going to go here. So I, I like, the, I would think Arduzzi says, uh, look, we're going to fucking run the ball more after last week. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that's going to happen too. Uh, the other plays that I hit on the action app, if you guys don't have it, go download it. I got Texas A&M at 20 on the open. Uh, it's fallen down to 17 and a half. I make it 17 and a half. So anything 17 above, I think is good. Uh, wrote it up in that article. You guys can go out there and read it, but essentially Jimbo knows Dabo very well. Uh, he's never taken a loss of more than 10 points to Dabo. Uh, and that's the years that he doesn't end up beating him flat out. Last year, the game was only by two points. They outgame Clemson. It, it, this should be a tight game. I Mon looked incredible. Play. A&M special teams are elite also. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with the cow line. I don't know what's going on with the cow line. I hit it at 13 in fear that it was going to go back to 12 and a half. It moved to 14 this afternoon. I hit it again. So I'm well invested in Cal. They beat Washington last year. In my opinion, a better Washington, much better Washington defense and a good offense last year with, uh, you know, Browning and all the pieces that he had around. Not really Browning, but the pieces they had around him. Cal beat that team last year, 12 to 10. Justin Wilcox was Chris Peterson's defensive coordinator from 2006 to 2009 at Boise State in some of their most successful years. Justin Wilcox knows Chris Peterson. I don't know how this spread is 14. I make it around eight. So I think it has value. I'm not sure if it's being set up to come back and get back down and then close at 12. You know, I've got a unit in at 13. I got another unit in at 14. Uh, I don't think this, you know, Justin Wilcox should be able, at least the defense, We'll see if the offense can. I mean, they had way too many turnovers. Uh, won their game against a very good UC Davis by you know by double digits. So we'll see how it goes if the offense can do anything against the Washington defense. But I think fourteen is just way too much. Um, and the Bobs, the Bobs, the Bobs. Yeah, I got I'm with play you there. I'm with you there. Opened up eight and a half. Uh, I don't think it should be that number. I think it should be down around four. Uh, it has fall. It, it kind of teetered around eight, eight and a half, and then finally did below seven, down to six and a half. When you hear this recording in the morning, it may be less, but I think it's worth a play uh, down to four. If a, you know six would be beneficial, if there's any sevens hanging out there, all approved by me. Um, some other notes about Sunday opener. So if you've been following us for a long time, Sunday opener is like a really big deal. I will say that the numbers put out by Circa were very sharp. 
And if they're sharp enough and they're close to my numbers, then there's not going to be a lot of outrageous stuff unless it's a situational aspect where it's just a team that you have to take based on a misleading box score or injuries or something like that. Uh, the, the Sunday openers, the amount of them uh, might not be as large as they have been in previous years, but every Sunday there's going to be plays in the app. It's going to be, you know, uh, from the books that have offerings out there. Uh, so don't be surprised when you see numbers start rolling through, when you're watching your NFL on Sunday, the college numbers start popping up in the app on notifications. Uh, that's going to be going on until December. Yep. Yeah. And I will say one of the features we have in the action app now is live plays. If there's, if you have played the same play twice so that you get notified parlays, you can get notifications from experts on there. So you can, there's a lot more versatility of what you can get from us. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I'll mention, I mentioned Michigan and the under I'm looking at Va, Va Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm with you on Texas state. I'm with you on Texas A&M. I think Maryland's loot. I would love to get a three. Also a team we didn't mention who looked damn impressive was Tulane. And yes. I got really excited about that 35 to one to win the conference. They looked great. I think Auburn will be flat. Uh, I was hoping to get 20, 21. Don't know if we'll ever get there, but I have my eye on Tulane. We talked about this in Slack. Tulane first half money line might be worth a look as well. We'll have more on that game later in the week, Um, but that will wrap it up for us here today. Make sure you check out the Action app, actionnetwork.com. Our Twitter handles at Stucky2 and at Colin underscore one, Colin with two L's. Uh, for all of our content throughout the week. We'll be back here on Friday morning, recording Thursday night for the full weekend preview, Friday night games and Saturday games. Make sure you keep the voicemail in mind, rate, review, leave a comment, pass around the word. You know the deal. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.